This podcast is brought to you by Dinglemount Church. It will open up God's Word to you, inspire you to love God, and grow in the knowledge of Him, and challenge you to live a victorious Christian life. Be blessed as you listen. Our scripture reading uh, tonight will be taken from the book of <coughs> Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 12. We would move a little bit away from uh, the lessons that we've been looking at in the life of Elijah, but hopefully we'll go back to it. But this sermon is still tied into uh, what we've been looking at, which is Elijah's commitment, faith, and prayers as we know him uh, to be a man of prayer from scripture. And we're going to see tonight the power of a praying church or the power of corporate prayer when a church comes together, cries unto God, believing that God can hear, that God can touch, and God can transform. And we'll see what happened in this uh, story, chapter 12 of the book of Acts. And I'll read from verses 1 to, I think, verse 18, a little bit of a long reading, but um, just to get the message out. Uh, from verse 1, he says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand, to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant, look at verse 5, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him, and did not know that that what, what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many gathered together, praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, You are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, It is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. 
But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison, and he said, Go, tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then, as soon as it was day, there was no small stare among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. And Lord, we just ask that you bless this portion of scripture into our hearts as we look at the power of a praying church or the corporate power that we have in prayer when we come together as a church to call upon you. Thank you for instilling faith in our hearts, not just to believe that you are a God that's alive, but you are a God that can still save and deliver. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, The subject we have before us uh, tonight, which is a subject that most of us are very familiar with, is the subject of prayer. And you might be wondering why I've chosen to um, speak on the power of a corporate prayer tonight. If you remember, the past few weeks we've been looking at the life of Elijah from the scriptures. And one thing that comes clear across to us in the story of Elijah, as not just as a prophet or a man sent by God, it was Elijah's prayer life. How Elijah dedicated himself to not just praying for the nation of Israel, but in deep communion with God. We see him by the brook. We see him withdrawing himself. We see him calling on the God of Israel. We see him believing and trusting that God will be true to his promises. And it's it's good when we pray to God and when we call upon God, we know in our hearts that God indeed does hear us, that we are not praying to a God who is not aware of our needs, or a God who some claim is dead that do not answer prayers. We have that confidence, as the scripture says, that when we pray according to God's will, that God does hear us. Uh, recently we came back from the youth camp and it was quite refreshing to see that actually God does hear prayers. Uh, all some of the things we prayed for going to camp, the good weather, the kids that went with us, the volunteers and all of that, everything came together. And we did thank God because we knew that that was an answer uh, to prayer. And working with those little children, and it was quite refreshing as well to see what God is doing in their lives. Some of them have got questions. Uh, some of them are not quite sure where they stand with respect to their faith. And sometimes when you engage them, you discover that they've got different views about God, about the world around them. I remember one answer one of the boys gave in our little group. Uh, we were asking questions and we asked them, said, do you know who the Gentiles are? I've never got that kind of answer before in a Bible study. Say, who are the Gentiles? We asked them. And this little boy raises and he said, the Gentiles, he said, is it a house full of gentlemen? And, that's, <laughs> and I was thinking, where did he get that from? The Gentiles, said, possibly it was from G-E-N-T-I. And so he said, the Gentiles, there must be a house full of gentlemen. And um, although we laughed about it, but you could see, that they were willing to talk, they were willing to answer questions. And, um, and, and that's what you get when you pray for something and you see signs that really you're engaging with the people that you are praying for. And so also, when we come to church, we are not just only expecting that God uh, will um, touch us in different the ways that we want or our needs met, but we believe that we can bring our prayers, our needs, and all the things that bother us to Him. 
And when you look at the story that we've read tonight, which is a good story about the early church, when the church started, and it was like a roller coaster ride. Uh, things were happening for the church. Thousands of souls were getting saved. And it looked like everything was going the way the church wanted it. Not until you come towards this chapter and things begin begins to go wrong. And sometimes in our lives, that's what happens. You know, things start off so well. It's like everything is going the way we want it. Before we call on God, He answers us. Before we even yet speak, and as the scripture says, God has already brought the answers. And that's what we love to see. I love to see that before I call on Him, He's already answered, and He's brought the answers. But then when you get to chapter 12, things really begin to get serious. Here you have Herod, as the scripture tells us, who stretched out his hand in verse 1 to harass some of the church. Now persecution is beginning to happen. In verse 2, then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Ooh, they weren't expecting that. They've already preached the gospel. Souls are getting saved. The church was spreading. Things were happening. They were all getting very excited. But now something is happening contrary to the expectations. And the Bible says in verse 3, And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he then proceeded further to seize Peter also. And it was during the days of unleavened bread. And you can see that things were going from bad to worse. James had been killed. Peter had been arrested. The cruelty of Herod, the hatred of the Jews. So all of a sudden, a church that was full of power and were vibrant and were looking forward to something great, now found themselves in a place where their backs were against the wall. And when I think about this story, what it tells me is that this is simply a matter of God having his church where he wants them to be for his purpose. And so also in our lives, because sometimes, like I said, we are like on a roller coaster ride. Everything is going on so well. Sometimes people expect when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, and that's an easy ride to heaven, then all of a sudden when trials begin to come, when persecution begins to come, when those troubles begin to come, we begin to ask questions. Where is God in all of this? What is happening? Why am I going through the troubles? that I am going through. And so if you're here tonight and you're asking that question, why all this darkness and evil and troubles and the things that I see around me, what answer I've got for you? The answer I've got for you is very simple. God is making darkness for his light to shine into that situation. So that at the end you will better appreciate not just the power of God, but who God is in himself. Think about what happened in this story. How their faith would have been encouraged. That the same God they had prayed to. The same God who had given them the commission to go out and preach the good news. And preach. And remember he gave them a promise. Lo, I am with you always even till the very end. That same God now delivers. That same God miraculously now saves someone. And they all can see. Their faith I'm sure from scripture must have been very very encouraged. There's an illustration I always um, uh, make reference to when things are happening or what you call darkness or evil around us and you wonder why I'm going through this, what is happening. For those of us who know how diamonds are caught and displayed, if you walk into a shop or you've seen a diamond on display, have you ever wondered why diamonds are displayed on a, back, on a black uh, background? If, some, if you are very much aware of that, and maybe you've seen it on TVs or newspapers, why is it always kept or displayed on a, back, on a black background? And the answer is very simple. It's just for contrast. 
so that as light shines into that diamond, because the background is black, it reflects more, it shows more of the glory, the beauty that is in that diamond. And so also, sometimes in our lives, that's what happens. You know, we find ourselves like we are sitting on a back, black background. Things aren't, it looks dark and dull and it's not. But then, when God's light shines into that situation, that's when people begin to see the beauty and appreciate the glory that is coming through us. So let us remember that God sometimes lets all the circumstances build or even come to us so that His glory, His grace, His goodness can sparkle and shine through us. But look at that verse of scripture in verse 5. It says there, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And I think that this is the verse that anchors everything that we've been talking about right from verse 1 to verse 4, and then from verse 6 down to verse 18. Herod had done his worst. The disciples had gone in. They were afraid. They were scared. They weren't sure what was going to happen. And there you see constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And this wasn't an individual prayer. Thank God for the prayers that we offer in our rooms. Or maybe when we're in our cars and we are speaking to God in our hearts. Or from the examples we saw of Elijah who was a great man of prayer. But we are talking about corporate prayer. We are talking about a church coming together and believing God for something. We are talking about a church sensing a burden that there is a great need and that need needs to be resolved. And they are coming to God with that need and asking God who they believe that does answer prayer to intervene in the course of history. The difference between the average church today and the church that we have in the scriptures or in the New Testament is that this church in the New Testament felt the urgency and the deep need for them to pray. And sometimes when you look at the lives or the prayer life of most churches today, you don't sense that urgency to pray. Though things are going wrong, we can see the moral decadence in our society. We can see that the fabric of the society, moral fabric is being eaten. Secularism and materialism and all of the isms that you have really getting creeping into the society. But yet, the church is asleep. People aren't praying. The problems are so bad and things aren't looking good. But yet, the Christians are not praying. It reminds me of Jonah, who was in a ship, and things were going bad. And instead of him to call upon his God, the Bible says that Jonah was at the back of the ship there, and he was fast asleep, not even aware of what was going on. And we know because he was running away from God. And sometimes that's what happens spiritually speaking. When we are separated from him, when we are far away from him, when we are not in fellowship with him, we don't sense that deep urgency in our spirits to cry to God or to pray. And that's why Luke tells us in this story in Acts that they were praying. And I love the word he uses to define that. He says, constant prayer was being offered. In some translations, it's actually translated, it says, earnestly, they were praying for him. And literally, this can be translated as they were continually stretching themselves out. I like that, they were stretching themselves out. So we're not talking about just a prayer 
where you have a group of people coming together and some are not really into the praying or some are concerned while others are less bothered with what the needs are they were stretching themselves out this is what we call serious praying their hearts were going out to God they knew that they needed to stop Herod they knew something had to be done they knew that the life of the church here was in danger that Jesus Christ had already given a promise and the promise is I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and so they had to stand on that promise saying to God you need to save you need to deliver and when you look at from verse 6 I just want you to look at verse 6 there and he says and when Herod was about to bring him out that night Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door was keeping the prison now behold an angel of the Lord now why Peter was sleeping in the prison I wonder had he already given up or had he come to a point where he's so confident in God that he knew that something was going to happen but the Bible doesn't tell us it says behold an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light you can see that in the midst of the darkness the light shone just also like the diamond being placed on a dark background light shines and you see the glory of that diamond and he says there and he struck him by the side and raised him up saying arise quickly and his chains fell off his hands there you see the power of the word that was spoken get up quickly and he says and then the chains fell off Peter's hands and then the angel said to him guard yourself and tie on your sandals and so he did and he said to him put on your garment and follow me so he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision at this time Peter didn't even know what was going on he was just responding to the beatings of the angel and he says in verse 10 that when they passed the first and the second guard post they came to the iron gate that leads to the city which opened to them of its own accord and they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him and when Peter had come to himself he said now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the Jewish people and so you can see he began to appreciate what God has done. The enemy had expectation and that was to kill, to cut him off, to destroy the church. But here this man looked up to God and says, well I thank you that you frustrated the expectations of the enemy. And the, the, the enemy out there can take any form. They, they, they've got expectations for the churches. There are people out there who want the churches to shut its doors. Who don't want us to pray to God in freedom and liberty, though we may not have much of that in this country. But in other parts of the world, that is the expectation of the enemy. But the question is, what is the church doing? Are we coming to God in appreciation and thanksgiving, saying to him, Lord, we know that you are the one who have set up your church, and you are the one who will see it true to the very end. And then actually the story begins to get a bit funny now when you get to verse uh, verse 11 he says and when Peter had come to himself after he knew what God had done say look at verse 12 so when he had considered this he came to the house of Mary the mother of John whose son was Mark where many were gathered together praying you can see that they were still gathered together and they were praying and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate a girl named Rhoda came to answer when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. 
But look at verse 15. But they said to her, you are beside yourselves. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now you wonder what was going on here. These were the same people. They were praying. And sometimes it's possible that a church can even come together praying that God should move. That God will bless our churches. And then something happens and we can't even relate that what we are seeing to the prayers that we've just prayed. Like they always said, if you pray for rain, what do you go when you're walking? What do you do when you're walking out? You take an umbrella with you. Now that shows that you're really expecting rain because you prayed for rain. The same way Elijah prayed for rain and you can see him. He went out immediately and he started looking in the clouds. And the Bible said, and there appeared the hand of a man. You see anticipation. But here you see a church praying. But then God answers a prayer and it seemed too good to be true. They said, no, that can't be Peter. So you wonder, what were they doing all this while? Gathering together and praying and asking God to save him, asking God to deliver. And then God then performs a miracle and they are finding it difficult to believe that that was maybe God answered too quickly. Or maybe the answer was so good for them to believe that it was. And that's the kind of God that we serve. Who not only can meet our expectation, but sometimes he does much more. As the scripture says that we can ever think or imagine. Maybe they were praying. Well, James has been killed. And um, Peter has been taken. And maybe just praying, Lord God, just keep him alive in prison. We don't know the content of the prayer. But they were praying for something. But then God does something that surpasses the expectation of this. And when it happened, they could not believe it. And that's why that girl kept insisting. No, it is Peter. What she was simply doing was sharing, telling them, this is what we've prayed for. And the answer is here. And that's what we need to do. When God answers our prayers, we need to be bold, insisting, declaring it. This is what God has done. Even if people are saying, no, that can't be God, or we are not sure what God has done, we have that confidence and we can always tell them, no, 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 we are sure of what we are talking about. God has truly showed up in our situation. And let me remind us again, because we are talking about prayer here, that prayer is one of the most unused resources that you have that a Christian have God. But the problem is that most Christians would never use the power of prayer. Would rather do some other things than come to God in prayer. God has given us that power. Remember, uh, I think this was Andrew speaking to us, was it a few Sundays ago, when he was talking about the armor of the Christian. And if you notice from the armor, there were things that he did mention. And I think one of the things he talked about is taking on the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. And that's the only offensive weapon that we've been given. And in prayer, that's what we are doing. We are taking the word of God and we are bringing it not just back to God, but we are at the same time using it to wage our battle, to fight our battles and our wars. And that's what we are doing in prayer. And that's why prayer is very, very important. So we need to come to a point, just not as like the church prayed, Believing, and then when God answered, they found it too good to be true. We have to settle in our hearts that when we come to Him, that our God can do not just what we want Him to do according to His will, but He can do much more than what we believe and what 
we are praying for. If you look at verses 1, just to take you back a little bit, it just shows you the state of the church. And the questions that we should be asking ourselves is what is the state of our churches? What is the state of our families? Because these are the things that stir us up to pray. You might just spend 10 minutes or 5 minutes just sitting all by yourself and going through those questions in your heart. What's the state of our communities? What's the state of this nation? What's the state of other parts of... And when, and when you keep asking those questions, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal and to show you how horrible and bad and serious the situation is. And the only thing you can do at that point is to fall on your knees. It may be personal. You may be asking yourself a personal question. What is the state of my family? What is the state of my life, my career, whatever you're involved in? And if the answer is, it is serious, then that should draw you closer. Not away from God, but closer to Him. To fall on your knees to begin to pray now. I'm going to close with a, a scripture in the book of First Samuel. Because if you go to 1 Samuel, and I love what David did in the book of 1 Samuel. And I think that is what we ought to do. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, remember the context of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. We have this great giant Goliath who stood before the people and was boasting uh, what he will do to God's people. And then David came on the scene. And if you look at verse 29 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I love what David said in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'll start from verse 28. It says, Now Eliab, that is his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? He says, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. But look at what David said in verse 29. That's where I'm going. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? So there was a reason for David to take action. Because he saw that the name of God was being blasphemed. He saw that God's people were retreating instead of advancing. He saw Goliath, who was the enemy, standing and defying the name of the God of Israel. And that's what we do as Christians. We stand in the nation, we stand in our communities, we stand in our families. And we are asking, when we see things that we ought not to see, asking that question, is there not a cause? And that's why when we identify the problem and we know what the needs are, we take action. And for David here, what he did was he went straight into battle. And for us, we are not being called to go into physical battles because the Bible tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But it tells us against principalities, against the powers of wickedness and all of that. And that's what we are involved in. When we identify the cause, we go to him in prayer. We bring it before him. We intercede for others. We call on God who gives and who can bless abundantly to intervene and hear us when we pray. And that is the only way, even in scripture, that God can release not just his blessings, but to move his church from where they are to where 
he wants them to be. And my prayer tonight is that we would go home, not just going home and say, well, we've listened to this message on praying and we've seen what the church did, but for us to believe in our hearts and not just that are we praying as individuals, but as a church, when we come together, that our prayers can make a difference. And when we pray for someone in our midst, our prayers can make a great difference. Time would not permit me to go into testimonies and things where God have answered when a church came together and prayed. But I'm sure that many of us here can maybe cite examples or remember instances when a church prayed, talked to God, and God truly answered. And I pray that faith will arise in our hearts for that. Shall we bow our hearts tonight as we as we just reflect briefly on some of these words that we've listened to tonight. That young man, David, he asked the question, is there not a cause? He saw the problem. And I think it's the same for us tonight. If you don't see a cause, then you wouldn't fight. If you don't see the souls of men perishing, you will never call on God to save them. If you don't see the needs in our communities or the need in your family or in your life, you may never draw close to God in prayer. But tonight, you can ask God to show you, to open your eyes to see to stare of faith in your heart to believe to know that he can do much more than you can ever think or imagine God surpassed the expectations Peter was released from prison and sometimes we might be in prison spiritually speaking we sing a song and can it be and one verse in that song says and my chains fell off and that's what happened to Peter his chains fell off God wants to set us free to serve him he wants us to proclaim that he does answer prayers you may be in a dark place at the moment even while we speak and you're wondering why the darkness God's light just as he shone on Peter in the prison and he saw that light in the same way when the light comes on that diamond and it sparkles in the same way God is working out his purpose in our lives he's orchestrating events We may not understand it. But you can trust him. I can trust him. That he will lead me through till the very end. Just as Peter trusted. That the angel who said to him, stand up, put on your sandals and let him out. That's all Peter needed to do. And he walked free. 
we can trust that God through the Holy Spirit will guide us and all we need to do is to obey Him so Father tonight we just thank you for these words reminding us of the need to call upon you to pray not just as individuals but as a church and Lord I pray tonight that you will open our eyes to see that there is truly a cause not just in our churches in our communities in this nation in all the parts of the world there is a cause to fight and to pray and Lord we pray also for those who may be going through very difficult and trying times and it seems they are locked up in a dark place Lord we pray tonight that your light would shine upon them that you will not just save but deliver salvation is not just deliverance from sin but also deliverance that covers every aspect of our lives and Lord we pray tonight that your hand will be stretched out to touch us to strengthen us that we will go out and proclaim that truly you've set us free just as that little girl ran and was saying Peter has been set free and Lord we pray for faith in our hearts also to believe that when the answer comes that he can be even far much more, more than what we can ever imagine or think. Because of your goodness and your greatness. This we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, why not join us in worship at the Dingle Mount Church? Or log on to our website at www.dinglemount.org for more information. Thank you for listening.